the movie Anaconda. Everyone thinks that's like a documentary. This is From the Ground Up, the story of me starting my reptile business. This is not going the way. So, we're going to have to start all over <laughs> well, for the recorded version. Okay. Well, I don't care about t-shirts because I don't have mine yet, and it's coming tomorrow. I'm yeah, sad, we're working but... on like changing the shipping options so they're cheaper and faster, and um, they were kind of sucky for a little bit. Okay. Not the shirts. Not the, the shirts. Shirt, the shirts the are like super soft and no not... No one can see the, your full shirt. Oh. There you go, you gotta sit up. <laughs> but anyway, they're super soft and they're the fucking cool if you wanna. They're expensive because they're expensive to make. I know $25 is kind of expensive for some people, but it's because I didn't want to have a shirt. Like, I hate those fucking... Everyone's got their shirts printed on those Gildan. Um, that, that you know, they're usually a little bit rough. Like, Gildan's like the cheapest one you can get or like a Hanes beefy cut or some okay. shit like that. They're like real rough and, you know, I got real sensitive skin. Yeah, I need soft cotton. Okay. Good to know, right? Cool. Um, so we are here with Megan, uh, Megaconda on Facebook and Megan Kelly on Instagram and all that stuff. Megan, can you give us a little intro on what you work with? Uh, I work with mainly green anacondas. Um, I breed them. I raise them all. Some are just pets. So I kind of do everything with them. Now, do you just have anacondas? No, I have retakes, berms, I have some monitors, and some ball pythons as well. But the anacondas are the only ones that you breed? For right now, yes. They're, okay. like, my main focus, but I do, like, do on the side. Okay. So you're probably going to gross... I mean, a lot of us try not to have animals that you don't breed or have work in, you know, just a lot of extra stuff. But um, as far as anacondas... How many litters have you had um, since you've had them, or how long have you been keeping them? I've been keeping them about nine years now. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I've just had my second litter of them. I have a third one coming in about two weeks. So the first time I bred them was about two years ago. And this is the second time. They were actually born on Friday. That's oh, wow. cool. oh, so they're like baby babies. <laughs> they're only a couple days old right now. So how many times have you attempted to breed them and how many times, and you said like uh, you've only been successful a couple of times, how many times have you tried to breed them? Well, the first year I tried to breed, the females didn't want to breed, so that year kind of just went by. And in the second year, I got two to breed, one slugged out on me, and the other one gave me five babies. What's a typical number for anaconda on, babies? It depends on how big the female is and how old she is. Um, a lot of people I know who have bred them got five of their very first litter out of a first-time female. And then this time, my second time, which was the same female, she bred two years apart. She just gave me about 15, 16 babies. Oh, wow. Okay. But that still seems really small for a giant snake, and just a boa constrictor, you know, can have a litter of 40. So are they typically just small litters in general? They start out small. As the female gets older and she breeds more, they tend to get bigger. 
Um, some people get 30 their first time, other people's, you know, get five or less. So, it all depends on the female. Like, she was only 10 feet the first time she bred, she's now 11 feet. So it also depends on, like, size. Okay, and it's crazy that that one foot can make a difference. Right, that and the male, it also has to do with the male as well. Like so, how- in, in general, the age is a big factor. Yeah. And so. do you know? Do you know for sure how old your female is? Or do you buy it as an adult or anything like that? The one I have is that just bred. She is seven, eight years old. I think. Yeah, she just she's about eight years old right now. I bought her as a three year old. Okay. And then the male, I actually rate the both my males. I raised from babies, so they're seven and six. Is it typical to go, you know, five years before breeding? Is that an appropriate age to start breeding? Um, well, females usually breed at, like, six years old. Like, that's usually the starting point, and they have to be about nine to ten feet to breed. Males have to be about six feet, and they can breed at three years old. Oh, wow, such a big difference. Yeah. Well, that's with a lot of snakes. It's the males have to be, they're younger, so... And is there a difference as far as once they're adults, as far as are they sexually dimorphic? Are the females bigger than males? Oh, yeah. The females are much bigger. My biggest female, who should give birth next two weeks, she's 12 feet and, like, 100 pounds. The male that bred her is only 10 feet and, like, 50 pounds. Wow, 100. Oh, I can't even imagine. Like, I can't. She's, like, that thick, and the male's about that thick. Okay. So, so the, the is big, weight a factor for you, or do you weigh them I ever? To see how heavy they are. You don't have to. <laughs> as long as they look healthy, you can breed them. You don't want to breed an unhealthy snake, because it's most likely not going to breed. Right. So, you just want to make sure they're healthy. I weigh them just to see how heavy they are. Yeah, to be able to say, like, hey, I picked up a 100-pound snake. It's like... <laughs> it's my workout, so I get my squat. <laughs> Do you have trouble? Do you have anyone that helps you, or do you do cleaning cages all alone? I mostly do it alone. Um, wow. I have people, like, nearby, but they don't really help me. Like, my family's always somewhere around. So, but uh, I have some of my, like, really good friends just kind of like to come hang out, and I make them hold stuff while I clean, because it's easier. Right. I don't even... I can't even think about like getting it out like i would have to do parts of the body just slowly like slide it out. yeah like do you just let do you just let them roam around while you clean the enclosure and then guide them back up no i uh i have a tub i put them in or like okay. someone else so i have them babysit them but for the most part i just kind of get their head coming out of the cage and then kind of point it where i want them to go and they go oh. or the picture kind of just throw them over your shoulder, and you get them, like, you kind of wear them like a backpack, and it, like, puts the weight throughout your body, and they don't feel as heavy as they are. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, you say that, but I'm like, but it's still a hundred pounds. Like, that's still... They kind of, like, themselves on you, and, like, wrap around your body, so they are, like, supporting themselves on you. So it's not, like, you're trying to just, like, struggle and hold this. Right, they're not, like, dead weight. Like, they... Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Is is 12 feet pretty typical, or are there some that get a little bit longer? What's a maybe max length for an anaconda? 
Well, average size for a female is like around 15 feet. So my females have still grown. My oldest one's only nine years old. Or she's almost 10 years old now. Um, she, they still grow, but at a certain point they slow down. And when they get to that 15 mark, it usually takes them like probably almost 15 years to get there. Holy shit. <laughs> grow really, they grow pretty fast the first six, seven years and they start to slow down. So, like, anacondas are a long man's game. Like, yeah, they can. Seems like it. Wait, what'd you say? Sorry. It cut like, off for a second. No, but if you talk, is she. I can't hear They can live up to about 30 years, which is normal for them. Yeah, that makes sense. They're just, like, crazy. waiting on that. I would, I would be too impatient. Like,. Having to wait like well, six years think, to breed it. Do you think like there doesn't seem to be many captive born and bred anacondas in the hobby? Is time a factor or just people willing to work with them? Why aren't there uh, many captive born and bred animals here? Well, people working with them. Um, I'm not sure why more people don't. I do think it's a patience thing where people don't want to like grow them up. And then there's a lot of people who don't want to sell adults because they want to keep them and do it. So. Okay, so then that's not continuing if they're not going to sell them. Right. So. So why anacondas for you? Um. Well, when I was like a teenager, I had berms and retail and stuff. And my parents had always been like, don't get an anaconda because like the whole stereotype of them. Mm-hmm. So me being a little smartass, I went and bought one. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> And then I just started getting more after they found out. So they kind of were just like, oh, well, it's here. And then it turned into, like, what I have now. And my parents were totally okay with it. I built a snake room in one of my dad's garages. So Hey, you have some very understanding parents. Yeah. They are supportive once you kind of do your own thing and show them what you're doing with it. So. As long as you're, like, self-sustaining. Uh, you know, I have people ask me all the time, like, how do I get my parents to... Let me get a snake. Maybe don't get an anaconda, but <laughs> like, um, as long as you show that you're responsible and you'll take care of it. What kind of enclosures do you have for this? Is it similar to a retic? Are you keeping six foot cages or any bigger than that? I keep them in eight foot cages. They're three feet deep and almost two feet high. And then I have like a big water bowl like in there, which is different from a retic where a lot of people just have like a bowl in there. I put like a big bowl in there so they can like submerge themselves. So they just they require more humidity is mostly what it is. Okay, so you you keep a water bowl, you know, big enough for them to totally get in their whole body into. They. Oh. Gotcha. And then what are they feeding on? Um, once you're at adult size, an adult female, you're feeding adult rabbits. Yeah, rabbits. I've fed stillborn goats and pigs too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they were born. So. Wait, what'd you say? So the animals I get are either already dead, like if the goats and the pigs, they're stillborns, so they were born dead. So instead of letting it go to waste, I get them and feed them off. So, is there like a a company that does that? That or like individual farmers? Yeah. That stuff. I'm sorry, it keeps cutting out. What did you say? You can find farms and stuff that'll like sell you stuff like I have a rabbit breeder like she breeds rabbits for meat so all the ones she, she like doesn't want to sell as meat she'll sell to me and that's where I get rabbits 
Okay, so that could also be like a factor in people, you know, wanting anacondas or can it grow a growing market for it because food isn't. Yeah, but there's a giant market for retex, but true. Amazing. So I'm just uh, as babies are these typically docile or are they a little bit crazy as babies? <laughs> they can be kind of nippy and bitey. Uh, the ones that were just born don't seem to be that bad yet. Yet. <laughs> well, it usually takes them a few days for it to kick in. <laughs> Dead. They'll be a little bit nippy, but that's when I start handling them more, so they calm down. I usually just leave them alone until their first shed. Okay, that makes sense. So what what do you keep them in in the beginning? There's um, these little, like, Vision V18 tubs, so they're like 18 inches long, and they curl up into a ball like this big. People think like the tubs aren't big enough when they all they do is they curl up in a ball this big and sit in the corner. <laughs> and then I give them a water bowl and everything else, so yeah, and they're fine hanging out for a while. Yeah. Do they? Um, are they hard to get feeding? Sometimes yes. A lot of them start on chicks, which is very hard to get where I live. Like live chicks. Um, they can be very, very picky. The last one, one of the baby I kept from the, my first litter of them, she took a year to get off chicks. Whoa. Yeah. That's a lot of work. <laughs> Some of the other people who stayed in contact with me, who I sold the other ones to, took longer to get off chicks. So... It all depends on the snake. Some One of them started directly on rats, which is nice. And I had a baby I bought a couple of years ago start on rabbit pinkies. So it all oh, depends okay. on Interesting. I would think that, you know, you have an animal that's by the water and little babies. And I just, they must be eating birds or something in the wild. But I thought that they would be eating frogs and stuff. So I thought that that's where you would start. Why do you think that they start off on chicks? I don't. They do mainly eat birds in the wild. A lot of it's more birds like that hang out around the water. So that's part of it. Um, you can feed them fish too, which is another main part of their diet. I've never tried a frog because some frogs aren't very good for them. It's just easier to get rats and chicks and birds. Like quail, a lot of them will start on quail as well. I've never had them start on quail. But I've helped other people get their starting on quail. I feel like that's come up a lot lately, even with like corn snakes or other people. Well, carpets and stuff like that. We've talked about people brought um, up quail. Quail's just another readily available um, like bird that we can feed to. Um, Who is that? The corn snake thing? Yeah. Sarah Sarah said that too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why, but in some weird part of my brain, I don't want to feed a snake the same thing that I would eat. Like, I like quail. That's you weird. You? That's what a chick- What? You eat chicken, don't you? Because a chick is a chicken. True. None of our snakes eat that. <laughs> but you're right. But I don't... Yeah. But we don't eat chicks. No, but we eat adult <laughs> <laughs> or before they turn into chicks, we eat eggs also, so... I don't know. It's, Your logic's flawed. It's just totally a weird it. part in my brain where... Sorry, just the quail thing. <laughs> Not like we're ever going to have an anaconda or anything, and our thankfully our corn snakes, we can run the gambit on so many other things that... <laughs> 
do you think that um, the fact that they are they come out the way they do a little bit harder to feed a little bit testy is it because maybe there's not as many captive born um, generations? Probably. Sorry, my dog thing on the door. Oh no! It's no, okay. yeah, we Ours can't do even it hear all the it. time, and now we can't hear it. <laughs> no, um, I'm not sure why they are like that when they start begin start like that. I mean, like I said, some start with the most random things. Like it took me three months to figure out mine would wanted rabbits. Like I would feed it everything that was like it was very hard to find a rabbit like this small for it to eat. <laughs> That's why, like, I never tried it before that, but it's, you can try and feed them anything. A lot of people get them on fish if they're really, like, troubled, but I don't know why they start out kind of, like, testy like that. So do you think there's any, like, merit to people who believe you can, like, line breed good feet or good eaters? I don't know about line breeding for good feeders. Because some snakes, you can have, like, the worst feeders as babies, but as adults, they'll be, like, the best thing ever. It's just getting them to eat. A lot of people line breed for, like, color and, color and pattern stuff, even with, like, normals. So, like, with mine, the way I bred mine is I had a really dark-looking female and a semi-dark-looking male, and I bred them together to make darker babies. And then I have, like, a lighter-colored female and a lighter-colored male, and I bred them together to make lighter-colored babies. So that's kind of how you do it with normals. And then there's also, like, some of them have patterns where I have one that has, like, almost a whole orange face. Oh, wow. Instead of just, like, on the sides of their eye. Oh. And so... I think I think I saw, like, an albino floating around or something. Are there morphs in anacondas? There's a few. There's... Three morphs and greens that I know of, and yellows, there's a little bit more. So there's anery for greens, caramel albino, and like normal albino. So there's T positive and T negative. I don't know where the T negative is in the United States. I think it's in Texas. The other two are in Missouri. Oh, they were part of Ben Rennick's collection? Yeah. There's also another guy who has anneries. Honestly, I thought that Kevin McCurley would have them. No, not yet. They, you have to like, you had to import them. So now that we can't import them, there's not many people having them. So whatever was already here, those people got them to begin with. Oh, so that is that part of Lacey that you can't import? Right. Uh, anacondas? It's berms or any anaconda or rock pythons. Oh, so I wasn't, I didn't know that you can't import now. So you can't import any, like, um, retakes or anything like that from other countries, but you can ship them within the country? We can, yeah, we, there, so they tried to pass a law where we couldn't ship between states, and that lasted about a month before we got it overturned. Like, US ARC did that. But we, because when they passed that law, we, they stopped importation on them. But just a few months ago, they changed it so we can now ship again within the states. Wow. What was their, like, reasoning for... Well, the whole... The reason for the law in the beginning was flawed. The whole concept that they were going off of was flawed in the beginning. It was just fake science to where 
um, global warming was going to happen and retics were going to live in New Jersey and all this stupid shit off of a USGS study that said that global warming was going to increase the temperature enough for, you know, like berms in, in the Everglades. Migrate. They were going to go off all the way to New Jersey, even though if the temperatures got that warm, we would all probably be dead anyway, but, but it's a whole how, thing. But how does shipping... Uh, no, it doesn't. Effect? For captive-born animals, right. it makes no sense. Right, That's it doesn't why. affect that. They're going to like release animals, and they're gonna, they can live basically anywhere. They think they can live in Alaska, and they'll freeze in like a day. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think people know a lot of times how cold-blooded animals work in comparison to regular animals, especially because, like, berms and stuff like that, like, berms get a respiratory if you fuck up, like, in captivity. Like, they can only live in the Everglades. That's why they're there. Berms can get respiratories very easily. Like, they're, I don't know why they're so much, like, sensitive, so much more sensitive than, like, retics, where it takes a lot for them to get one. I mean, even pandas, they can sit in cold water and not get one. But berms, they drop the temperature like four degrees too low and they'll get one. Which is just really weird how there must be something missing as far as how berms are able to live in the Everglades and stuff like that. Even though it will drop like 30 sometimes, you know, you have those winter freezes where... I'm sure a bunch of them die off, but somehow they But they're still surviving there, but in captivity die off when that happens. The babies can find, like, warm spots in the ground. The big ones, it's harder for them to find, like, a warm spot. So, that's kind of how that works. (laughs) Someone said garter snakes will rule the world. (laughs) Well, they are everywhere, those fuckers. (laughs) Everyone else will die out, and they'll be the last surviving one. It's like, I don't know why that Oh, that whole thing was ridiculous. It's the one time, though, that, like, laws, reptile laws, got less strict instead of... It's because they they had no, like, grounds to even create that law. So it got, like, overturned, like, immediately. As soon as they found, like, well, I forget what was the whole deal with it, but there was something where it was, like, it never was really a law. Like, they never actually made it a law. It was just written there. Okay. also on US, US, US Arc's, like website, I forgot what it was, but that's why. So, like, everything that was on the Lacey Act became legal because of it. Hmm. And why, um, or did that deter you from breeding maybe last year or something like that? Were you worried that your market was changing or was that not a thought? No, that... I mean, I always wanted to breed, and, like, I live in California right now, so there's plenty of people who wanted them in California, because you could still sell within your state at the time, so it it didn't really stop me from breeding, and I, when it first happened, I was in the process of breeding them, like, when the law first went through, like, I think, yeah, it was two years ago it happened, I had babies the following fall, and because of the ban, the price on them went through the roof. Hmm already in the process of breeding them and people couldn't find them anywhere i was the only one that year who had them wow and what's crazy is it's like you know prices went through the roof not for like 50 babies for such a small well, it's group supplies the fact like, that they're high in the beginning cause right because there's only so many and their clutches aren't that big and so just imagine like in that band litters like, how dare you in only eggs okay excuse me um, is this 
who else is breeding anacondas? I know Kevin McCurley does, and that's pretty much all I know of. There's Kevin, there's a couple people in text, well, so there's me, Kevin McCurley, um, his name's Andy Wickstrom, I think I pronounced his name right. He's, I forget where he is. And then there's a couple, there's one guy in Texas, his name's Blake Wilson, he just had his first litter of them. And then there's someone else. I forget who else. There's one other person I, that I know of that was breeding them, at least this year, had babies. It's just so weird that it's like the quintessential snake that everyone thinks of, but there's not many people breeding them. Um, it, are there any issues as far as keeping? I mean, you know, like we mentioned with the berms, you know, respiratory and stuff like that. Is there anything that you need to watch out for with anacondas? Not really. Not really. Um, they're pretty hardy animals. As long as you keep the temperatures right, you're fine. Breeding them is completely different than, like, any other snake. You can drop their temperatures into the low 70s. That's actually how you get them to cycle. You drop them into the low 70s and then bring them back up during the day. Oh. So, they're completely different than, like, pythons where you can't drop them that low. So, it's very it's very weird because I'm used to, like... So, like, my, like you said, my brother was breeding retakes and stuff. And, like, I've also seen other people breed retics. I've been, like, a part of it. So, I was when I started breeding them, I was used to, like, pythons. So, like, it was a whole different thing for me to, like, figure out and learn to do anacondas. Yeah, it's like pythons take very, very small changes to get triggered to breed. just like that, they're ready to go. Yeah. Which is, it's weird that you would think, you know, the Amazon, Central America, stuff like that doesn't swing that much in temperature, but... I don't know. They're also in the water all the time, which must affect their temperature. What is, um, as far as green versus yellow, obviously the yellow are smaller and stuff like that, but, um, I have heard that yellows are more, um, aggressive and more yeah. defensive. Is that true? Yeah. From, at least from my experience, yes. Like almost every yellow I've dealt with has been nasty and mean and just wants to bite and like musk everywhere. Um, there's been a couple that I have met that are, like, very nice, but it takes a lot for them to get that way. They just seem to be a lot more angry. <laughs> and they don't tolerate as much. Tolerate as much as far as handling or keeping-wise? Just mostly just handling, like, being out and stuff like that. They're the greens, like, it's easy to calm them down, which makes no sense, because, like, everyone thinks they're this na- big, nasty snake. But, I mean, you put a lot of work in to make sure you don't have a giant nasty snake, right, as far as, um, you know, handling? The babies and raise them about. I never like to buy adults. Like, I have bought a couple where they're, like, sub-adults. But for the most part, I try and handle mine every day and just get the, keep them used to people as much as I can, time-wise. Oh, wow. So you handle every snake every day? Try to, or at least interact with them. Because I, I go in there and I check their cages and their water every day. So Even, like, like the the over 10-foot ones you handle every day? I mean, not when they're pregnant, but yeah. I, I interact with them and stuff so they know, so they don't get, like, mean and cage-aggressive or too much, you know? Yeah, no, props to you. That's a workout every day. Like Yeah, yeah, that's a like, lot of... That's- that's a lot. Like we don't even touch our 
corn snakes every day that, you know, weigh. You could easily. But I mean, like, as far as do you check water and stuff like that? Is that a big deal to keep fresh water in there? Yeah, because anacondas like to sit in their water, so they'll shit in their water. So you kind of have to check it every day because they're very known for doing that. Mm-hmm. So it's a constant struggle of changing water. <laughs> that makes sense. I feel like Ryan talks about that with his retakes. Well, like, retakes are shit. Just, he's like, just change, just just clean this. Oh, Biggie, what? I hate that for some reason when we talk, we can't hear you and it cuts you off. I don't know why. It's never happened before. Probably because I'm on an iPad. (laughs) Okay, sorry. I was cutting you off. What were you saying? Retakes like to paint the walls when they poop. Like, it's everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) Can't handle that. I had a question and I lost it. Oh. I lost it. What is... um, you know, an anaconda is fucking. <laughs> <laughs> like, where, where are you going? How, how often do you have to feed maybe an adult rabbit to a female or a male? I usually do every two to three weeks, depending on how big the rabbit is. Males will get, as adults, males get them every two weeks. The females, like, once they get a certain to a certain age, overfeeding them will make them obese. Like, they are a very girthy snake, but if you start, like, if you feed them too much every week, you're going to make them obese. So when they're adults, you kind of have to slow down their feeding. Unless you're getting ready for, like, breeding season, then you kind of want to bump up their feeding just to give extra weight on because they're going to breed. and They don't eat the whole time they're pregnant. Most of them don't. So they still can eat when they're pregnant, but a lot of them won't. So you do want to kind of give them that extra before. And this is a super basic question, but how long are they pregnant for? They can go six to eight months. Whoa, that's a lot longer than all <laughs> But then you have to factor in, they don't have the egg time. Right. But they're basically, it's kind of like incubating an egg inside the female. So are you scared to um, temperature fluctuate on your end while the female's pregnant? Cutting out. Oh. You're back. Sorry, what was that? You guys cut out. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, so, that whole time while she's pregnant, are you worried about temperature fluctuations? Because, I mean, it's kind of like you're incubating inside the female. Um, are you really paying attention to the temperature at that point? Yeah, you, you do want to keep like the temperature the same and stable. Because anything too low, they'll be underdeveloped. Too high can kill them. So... You have to keep it at perfect temperature. So I, I, I do go in and check their temperatures every day when they're pregnant, just because. You don't have to, but I, I do just because I worry. Yeah, no, I totally would when you have all that precious cargo for eight for months. For eight months of doing that. I'm like, intense. how long do we wait for <laughs> ours? A couple weeks. 90 days. A few weeks. <laughs> but I mean, what, what hot spot are you trying to achieve? Um... 88 is usually the normal hot spot when they're gravid, pregnant. Like a very typical python boa temperature. Right. So. Which is funny because I feel like everything else, we're like, oh, nothing like all these other ones. What do you, do you heat up your room? Do you keep a higher ambient temperature than normal? Uh, 
I usually keep the room at about 80 degrees, like 79, 80 degrees. Oh. So do you have a whole separate room for them? No, I keep them all in the same room. <laughs> do you have another question? Yeah, why? Did you have something to say? Yeah, but mine's kind of a different topic. It. It's a different topic, though. But I feel like you should go. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like caging and stuff goes, you do the regular heat tape, ambient temperature, all that stuff. I have heat panels in my cages, but yeah, I, I mean, they're all hooked up to a thermostat, a herbstat, and so that's basically, yeah, this is normal. Everyone kind of cage that up. Yeah, you don't, you don't feel a difference that there's a difference between belly heat and, you know, the radiant heat panel. No, not really. Uh, my other, so I have different rack systems too that I've built. Um, one of them, like the Christmas tree tubs, they have belly heat in them because the heat tape will fall if you try and do like top heat. But all the smaller racks have like a top heat, which kind of creates, it's heat tape in there, so it creates like almost like a heat panel type of thing where it's mm-hmm. top heat. So I haven't noticed a change in anything. It's all kind of the same. As long as like that, that end is staying warm enough, you're fine. Yeah, and I've found that with everything. People always go crazy about belly heat, but I feel you can keep back heat. You can keep radiant heat panels. It really doesn't matter. What was your question? Oh, um, mine, I just wanted to know if this is your, like, full-time job, basically, and if it is, what point did you get to where you decided it would be your full-time job? It's not my full-time job. Okay. <laughs> uh, I... They, I spend more money on them than I make off of them. And I, I just do it because I enjoy doing it. That's him. <laughs> okay. I was just thinking about the amount of time you like put into them every day. I'm just like, that's what made me think it was your full-time job because of all of that. But like, that's even more awesome to you that you do a job and you come home and you know handle them every day and do all of that. Yeah. No, a lot of people think it's my full-time job. But I, I spend a lot, like, I come home from work and I go and, like, take care of them, so. Do you want it to be your full-time job one day? Maybe. I'm not sure. What would it take, I guess? I don't know. It's a lot of work just taking care of them, but you put so much into them as well. Mm. I don't really see, like, you making a profit off of it. I just see it as, like, something you love to do. Right. Especially, but I mean, wouldn't it I be great to do something you love to do all day long? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes and no. It's also nice to, like, not have to take care of something during the day. Or, like, if everything's cleaned and watered, like, you don't have to worry about them for, like, a day or two. Right. So, that's nice, too. And then you're still making money doing something else. Like you, and plus you don't have to have that mindset to where you have to sell an animal to pay your bills and stuff like that. And you don't have shit to clean every day. Like you can go a week without doing anything, at least with most animals, with snakes in general. Like you can go on a vacation or something. Sometimes when you have so many animals, it just multiplies. You can't leave. Yeah. So how many in total, I don't think we asked this, snakes do you have? I have. I have to think about this. 
Okay, so anacondas, adults that I have, or like babies that I, I keep, not including the babies I just had, I had 12. Okay. Okay, and then I have about 35 ball pythons. Oh. And then about five berms. And then personally, I have three retics. But my boyfriend also breeds retics, so we kind of just mixed our retics to, you know, get whatever genes we want out of them. Okay. He has a few, too. <laughs> okay. If I did my math correctly, we're at 56. I'll do Uh-oh. it. Like, <laughs> that sounds a lot. That sounds like a lot for it, for it to not be your full-time job. Like, whoa. They're easy. But, I mean, the ball pythons are small, so they're very, like, Take thirty minutes to clean all their cages. Like it's very simple. Okay. The bigger How nice. Do you think we have? Not that big ones. A lot of my other ones are still like sub adults and babies. Wait, why did you ask? How many do you think we have? Because you sound like that's a big number, and we're right around there. But I thought we're in the thirties. I thought we're in the thirties. Well, I don't really count. Um, we're gonna have fifteen pairings, which gives you thirty adults. And then all the babies that you see around you and things that we don't breed. Okay. So what? Um, I always see the pictures of the giant monitor you have. What? Um, what kind of monitor is it? The croc monitor, the big black. This is a croc monitor. He's cool. Yeah. How do you have these um, giant, seemingly terrifying animals that are really, really <laughs> docile? Lots of handling when they grow up. So did you did you raise that guy from a baby? No, he belonged to my friend for the first four years, and then I've had him the last four years. And what what kind of like handling stuff? Because I know monitors are a lot smarter than our regular snakes and stuff like that. Um, what kind of like training or handling or basically things you do to get him used to you? Basically, like you just want to get them like used to you, like, tolerating you so they don't fear you, so they don't see you as, like, a threat, and from there just kind of, like, do their own thing. I mean, you still have to be wary, because it is, you know, an animal with giant teeth. Just, like, a dog has teeth. You don't get bit. So, it's just kind of just working with them, getting them used to you, and eventually they'll they'll just calm down. So, would you say that because you handle them so much that all of your Adults are relatively docile? Yeah. I mean, I handle them as much as I can. Like I said, I try and inter- at least interact with them, maybe not hold them. I try and interact with them every day just so that you get used to, you know, people and, like, they stay used to people. Have you ever been bit? By snakes? Yes. <laughs> Wait. What else have you been bit by? <laughs> Pretty much everything. The croc monitor hasn't bit me, which is good because they have teeth. <laughs> <laughs> like that big it's big you do not want to get bit by a croc monitor or well, I don't basically think people I don't think people realize lizards in general like they have you know those serrated right apart teeth not the hold on to your teeth they don't bite and let go like snakes do they'll bite and start thrashing uh. so you don't want any lizard <laughs> so they don't let go at first because snakes will like bite and defense and then let go but lizards will bite and hold on. They're trying to eat. Well, they'll rip you, you. <laughs> rip you to shreds. So, 
have the bites you've taken from snakes, they haven't been that bad? No. You, I've seen some pretty bad bites, especially from, like, male retics, where I've seen them, like, Ryan. <laughs> Ryan's was pretty bad. Yeah, there's been some bad ones. I don't know if you know, sorry, just say Ryan, like, everyone knows who he is. I don't know if you know Ryan Sullivan of, what's it, Ivory Connection? He's out of Texas. Yes. Well, I had to help clean his collection one time because he got bit by a male retic, and I'll just leave it at that. Uh, you could say it was pretty... Those pictures were, like, all... Like, I've seen them. Oh, yeah, really? It was it was bad, and it was funny because we had to do a... No, not we had to do. He had to do a reptile show, and so he was just, like, in the wheelchair the whole time, so he had, like, us and some other people just, like, helping him the whole time because he just was not able i think it's i think it's important for people to realize that there are like consequences sometimes with these giant snakes you have to be very careful especially with like breeding male retics those males go crazy during breeding season and that's when bites normally happen that's when you just want to be really wary of them like they have teeth because when male retics when they bite they they like twist because that's how they fight they try and cut each other in half. Like, they fight to the death. So that's why you see such bad bites from them. Because they're, like... Right. Twist when they bite. You don't see any territorial nature or anything like that from your male anacondas during breeding season? I haven't. Some people have. Some people, their whole veneer will change. They'll be, like, super nice. And then during breeding season, they won't be nice. And there's been a couple where, like, they don't go back to being nice at all either. Mm. Mine get kind of flinchy, like they don't touch, especially when they're with a female. They kind of just want to be left alone. They've never shown any aggression. But you do they do that like careful. They do that like male retic thing where they arch their back or something like that. They can do that. <laughs> I have one that'll do it just about any time. Another one really care half the time. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so what's the like the the locking up process, I guess, for anaconda? How do you introduce males to females? My question explained it. Locking okay. up process. You knew what I was talking about. Okay. You there? Oh yeah. yeah did so you, you broke it by I your... didn't. No, you trying to cut in on my question broke it. You're yelling, Sorry. that's why you broke Did it. you hear my question? Kind of. It was about how they lock up and stuff. Yes. So, I mean, you know how snakes have spurs? Yes, yes. They basically, just like any other snake, they use those to tickle the female and try and get under her tail. And they'll basically wrap up the whole tail end of the female. So, so, like, before that, I guess, I really meant, so your question... So, my question was legitimate. Oh, how do you introduce <laughs> males to females, the timing as far as how long do you keep them in there? When do you introduce stuff like That's that? That's what I was trying to ask. But. So, a lot of it is during the season, too, because they breed in the rainy season. So, March to almost June, basically. They'll breed. Um, I start cycling them in March, which is you drop the temperature at night and then you raise it back up during the day. And I do that for about two weeks prior to when I want to start breeding them. And then I do the same with the males as well. And then I introduce them. The males I don't take all the way back up because 
too hot will kill their sperm. But wow. so they only go about to about eighty four degrees during breeding season, and then they drop down to seventy five. Okay. So then you want to introduce the male once the female has like you kind of you kind of see how they are. They're just like <laughs> <laughs> when they're ready to go. Is that just that's just a size thing? Can you see ovulation stuff like that? Um. You can. I've missed them, the ovulations, because with anacondas, it's it's hard to catch. Because they're fat? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> you can't they're girthy. So, it's hard so to tell. what would you tell a, a new anaconda breeder to look for? A lot of the times, the females will stop eating prior. But it's also, you want to do it during a certain season... You want to do the temperature change, and if you introduce the male, if she, like, pisses everywhere, she's not ready. Okay. So that's another sign. So if you don't, if you have done all that and you're still not sure, you can introduce the male, and you can tell whether, because she'll tell you. (laughs) So. So you always put the male into her cage. Right, because it's, because the male is the one who has to get the job done. <laughs> want him to smell everything about her. And the female is always bigger as well, so it's better for the both of them. And easier on you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, and is it thing, a thing where, like, you leave them for a little bit, you leave them overnight? You, okay, so anacondas can eat each other. It's, they sometimes do. Um, it's kind of rare from what I've seen, but... I've never had it happen, but if you know they're okay together, you leave them together during breeding season mostly. You, I leave them in for a week, take them out for two days, try and feed the male. Oh, wow, a week. Okay. Yeah, and then I'll put him back in for a week. So I try and do like a cycle with them because it's in reintroducing them is always good, but I have had males left in there and they'll lock up every single night. Just keep, keep pushing, keep trying. <laughs> Normal behavior. Ew. I do like to separate them just, you know, to give the male a chance to, like, relax and have a couple days himself. Oh, now I hear the dogs. (laughs) That is Taco, the chihuahua. Yup, makes sense. (laughs) I can tell that from the bark. Um, So do you often run a male through multiple females? Uh, I did the first year just because one of the males was kind of young. Um, and I only had one female trying to breed that year and two males. Um, this year I tried to keep them separate because, uh, I do have people who want pairs and I don't want to sell them like brother and sisters. Okay. So I do. From separate. Right. I do try and keep the males breeding to, like, certain females, but there are sometimes where the female doesn't want to breed. So with anacondas, you can have multiple males in with them, unlike other snakes. Really? And they won't try to kill each other? The only thing they do, it's basically a breeding, they call it a breeding ball, where the males will wrap up the female's tail, and it's like a shoving match. Whoever can get to the prevent first is, like, the winner. <laughs> so is there something like as far as with carpets if I have a male that doesn't want to breed you put two males together they combat 
Do anacondas they, kind of combat? They don't combat. They they're kind of they just kind of hang out together. And like I said, it's like a shoving match. They just try and like push their way. Whoever gets there first onto the girl. Right. So then they can't be super angry if they're not even trying to kill the they're, other one who's. Like, yeah. I don't know. I it's totally like have this bar. totally false stereotype of anacondas in my head, which I blame society for. Well, I think people people get confused. I mean, they're not they're pretty large, but as far as they're much more like a retic, you know, maybe twenty feet, but an anaconda is going to be just much more girthy, right? Maybe the same weight, just shorter. They'll they can shorter. heavier, but be shorter too. Because they're not as long and lanky like a retic should be, but they're a lot girthier. Does that leave them like less athletic? Like a like a retic's pretty athletic. Is they don't anaconda as much? But if you hold one and hold a retic, the anaconda has a lot more power to it. It's a lot stronger. Like just you can tell. If it's hard to explain until you hold it. A lot of people don't believe me until they actually. <laughs> Or like a ten foot retic and a ten foot anaconda, they can be the same girth depending on, especially like if it's a male. Um, but their strength is it's a lot. They're a lot stronger. Yeah, it seems like snakes don't just carry around extraneous fat. I mean, For that no girth is probably just all muscle, which is probably such a big difference. Do um. Forgot what I was about to ask, <laughs> but as far as now I know, retic. So like you hold them, they're very attentive. They watch you, stuff like that. Um, as far as you know, ball pythons, they don't give a shit. It's like you're not even there. Um, on the intellect scale, where would the retic be or, or the anaconda be rather? I mean, I've had some where I'm like doing stuff in my room and they'll follow me. They're just kind of curious to what I'm doing. Retics, it's mostly a food thing with them when they're kind of like attentive because they think they're going to be fed all the time. Where anacondas, at least mine, seem to want attention. Like I open the cage and they like, they don't strike, they don't do anything. They just kind of want to come out and hang out. Like they're curious about everything. So you don't see like food aggression from them and stuff like that. You can. It's not as apparent as like a retic though. If you're a retic, you open their cage, it's their food aggression almost every single time. In Anaconda, it's, you have to, like, go, like, over three weeks for just to actually see that. Yeah, so if people aren't familiar with, like, retics, people hook train them as far as you open up the tub, and, like, they're in food feeding mode, so you hit them with the hook, and then they know, hey, we're out of feeding mode. Um, do you ever, you know, as far as training like that, do you have to do anything like that with anacondas or are you putting your hand in there? I mean, I, dumb to say, but yeah, I get my hand in there because I know my animals and you can also read their body language at the time. A lot of it is just watching the animal before, you know, you do anything. Babies will just bite you and wrap you up. <laughs> I've had, I've just gotten my finger and not wanting to let go. But, they, yeah, they get used to it. So, I mean, like a retic, I would never stick my hand in a retic cage just straight up because I know how retics are. They are different. Right. I just don't seem to have that aggression. I do have one where, like, if she smells food, you don't open her cage unless you're giving her something. 
But other than that, if she doesn't smell food, you can pretty much do anything. Would you would you say that's the work that you've done with them, or is that the nature of the anaconda in general? Mostly the nature of them. So, but it is a lot with, like I said, handling as well. So the more they're used to you, like the easier they're going to be in general with basically everything else. Now you had one of your pair go this year. Are you expecting the other one to go? Yeah, she's due. Like I said, in two weeks. So that's my email that I have. Everyone calls her puppy. She's due in about two weeks. Okay, so you got two litters this year. Um, yeah. I don't like that word. I think of cats. What? Live birth is literally. <laughs> I just my brain automatically goes to cat. How how disgusting and smelly is it? Once yeah, they give I've been birth? wanting to ask that. It's not that smelly, although there is a lot of like goop and blood. Not like a ton of blood, but like it's there and it's apparent. Is there like a there's the sack, right? Yeah. But it's it's honestly not that bad. It's just cleaning up because I put them on paper, so you just wrap up the paper oh, and just okay. throw it away. That makes it much easier. Is it like a quick process? Like, does she push out one and then like take the breaks? So I've never caught her doing. It. I just wake up to the last two times that it happened. So there's just babies in the cage. So it's relatively quick, I guess, would be the answer. No, if she's sleeping, you don't know. Right, but if it takes seven hours, it's not like it's a 24-hour Okay, I know, I meant like, crazy, like 15 minutes versus like... <laughs> I mean, it's more than 15 minutes. Hour or two, it all depends on like the female and how quickly she you know, does her business. Like we're pythons, like retakes have gone 12 hours laying eggs and others have gone two hours. It all depends on like how many babies they're having and how big the animal is. Can you, like, see the formation, like, the baby in the snake? Well, can you tell if the snake is pregnant or... Well, no, obviously it's going to be bigger, so you, that's how you can tell it's pregnant, but, like, can you see they the individual bumpies? <laughs> they do get bumps. They do get bumps at the, like, last quarter of their body where you can kind of see where the babies are. Okay. I mean, we can kind of see like where the eggs are, but you can also feel it with pythons, but you don't really feel it too much when you like kind of like palpate them, which you don't want to do too hard, by the way. <laughs> that can hurt them. But no, you can. Kind of how oh, it is. You cut out. I'm sorry. <laughs> you can see like where the babies are because they do get like those lumps and they do get really, really fat at that part of their body. See, you were looking at me like it was a stupid question, and it wasn't. Well, I would think that, I mean, it would be a little bit harder, but for pythons, you can't really see that much, but you can palpate them, like she said. Yeah. I was just wondering. But I'm sure you can't tell, like, hey, this is going to be 12 babies, but can you tell, like, this is going to be a big litter? You were about to say clutch. You were about to say clutch. I stopped myself. (laughs) Um, No, you can't tell how many there are, but... I don't know if you can tell how big it's going to be because, like, the first time she was pregnant, she gave me mostly slugs and only a few babies, and she had a total of 27, like, everything included. And this time she had only, like, 15. I think she had... There's two dead ones. So, it's just so two stillborns. And that... 
So it she looked bigger than she did last time. So you can they get bigger. It seems like they look a lot bigger when they're fertile babies than they do when they're infertile. You think the slugs was on account of the male, or is it something that you did with the female? I think I'm thinking it was the male. I don't think I cooled him enough. But I, I did try the cycling a lot different this time than I did the previous. Okay. Wait, so what is a slug? I know what like a slug egg looks like, obviously, but what is a slug? It looks like this brown egg-looking thing that's a lot softer than an infertile egg. Like, you can, like, squeeze it and it'll break in half. So it's still like an egg. Right. Even though they do live birth. Yeah, it looks... Yeah, I mean, it kind of looks like an egg. It. I mean, technically... What they have is an egg, but it's, like, inside them. So it's kind of like how a human has birth, in a way. Okay. Okay, I'm trying to envision it. (laughs) I bet I can Google this later (laughs) and and get a real picture. It's hard to describe, like, what it actually looks like until you're, like, looking at it. Because I'm I'm trying to think of, like... When we've opened an egg, that's like a slug, and so is it just like the inside of like what an egg slug would be? I've never really opened them too much, but oh. <laughs> it's just it's like a harder looking thing than like what the baby's sack would look like, like because they you know how they're born in that sack. Uh huh. All that it seems like it's like compressed into like this hard little egg-shaped looking thing. Okay, I'm gonna have to look this up because I really want to know what it looks like. I'm glad we don't have live live birth. I'm okay with the eggs and I'm okay with not waiting six to eight months. Yeah, but I mean, that's a very long period even for an animal that... So there's other live bear. I mean, live bear that's shorter. And stuff like that. That there's a shorter period. Uh, okay, we need to get. Although some- there's things like candoya, which you know, when I had that ground boa, they can. They're about nine months as well. So there's. So it's other boas out there that will. You know, that's a gun. What's the shortest live bearing? Oh, I don't know. Probably like garter snakes or something. But wait, as- maybe Megan knows. I have no idea. Uh, take a guess. <laughs> I. You're not a herpetologist? Come on. <laughs> it gives live birth, so... It's... And I don't know how a lot of things are... Because, like, venomous. A lot of venomous give live birth. And I don't know what how those cycles go, so... Yeah. I think a lot of us, we only know, like, what we keep and stuff like that. It's hard to know, like, thousands of species, how they all work. Yeah, it's hard to know everything. <laughs> Yeah, it's like if you know everything, you know nothing because you have to specialize in order to know shit. Exactly. So would you, I mean, you don't have any other live birthing species or anything like that. Would you ever consider going into like boa constrictors or any other boas? I don't know. I don't really have that big of an interest in breeding them. Like I had a boa, I had one, he died recently, kind of, a year ago. I had him since I was, like, nine years old. Wow. He just so happened I mean, to be a bad rat from the place I was getting rats from. 
and that's what killed him. Really? So what would you consider, like, um, how do you know that for sure as far as... Well, I had two of in time with the bad rat. Wait, you had to what? I had a die from bad rats, like, in one, like, the same day. It was a few Really? So I, I switched. Hold on one second. I fly home tomorrow. I have to check in for my flight. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, because yeah, that's weird, because I've heard of people having snakes that die of bad rats and stuff like that, but I never really knew how to make sure you didn't get one, or whether it was, like, because it they euthanized it and they didn't freeze it right away or something like that. Like, I wasn't sure. How. It is rats have eaten, so, like, what they have fed the rat or what the rat has chewed on, or, like, if the animal was, like, tested on, which has been a thing. So... so you can get a lab rat that's filled up with, like... Yeah, and if you buy from... ...or some shit. Yeah. That's super weird. I never really considered that, that um, people who were producing rats for snake food would also... Or a lab who is testing on shit would sell them as snake food or something like that. Yeah, it's it's kind of messed up. You don't... If you order online, you're not exactly sure where your things are coming from. So you think that was a situation where someone was a little short on stock and kind of came up and uh, someone else's shit? Yeah, yeah, it happens all the time. That is some sketchy shit. Yeah. Do you know where you got... Was it a very popular source you got that rap from? Yeah. (laughs) Does it rhyme with, like, Brodent Dro? (laughs) I'm not going to say, just put... Sure. Her laugh. Does it rhyme? <laughs> I could go through them all, but I want to. I just want to make sure because I get from a pretty big place, but it's here in Texas. So was your was My- your rat from a place in Fort Worth, Texas? No. Okay, so we're all right. That'd be a long way for her to order from. Well, oh, people God. ship from all over the country. Are you in NorCal or SoCal? I'm in Los Angeles. I'm in Southern California. So it's crazy that you keep big snakes in a place where it's really hard to get space. I mean, as long as you have the room for it, I guess. Are you born and raised in California? So. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, California's from there. And California has a lot of pretty lax laws compared to some other places. They, it all depends on county and then also city. So, like, where I live, they allow it. Um, other places, at least most of the places in California I know allow it. I just don't advertise it still, so. Like, no one knows exactly where I live, and I don't, like, bring them out to show people. So oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, I won't ask any more questions. <laughs> uh, yeah. I kind of do the same shit. But you're bad at it, because yeah. we have some stuff we're not supposed to. <laughs> well, don't say that now. It's fucked. Don't say what it is. <laughs> yeah, no one knows what we're talking about. Okay. <laughs> but you're bad at not putting. You literally have Dallas, Texas on your Instagram. Like, right, but I don't put. Y- you don't have our animals. address. But I mean, most mm-hmm. animals are legal. The only ones that I have that may cross the line are things that are just. Illegal for no reason. Okay, well, the more you talk about it, the more obvious. We're making it weird. <laughs> is this gonna be? 
Texas is pretty easy to get like a license for stuff, isn't it? Like venomous and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's not anything like that. <laughs> Let's talk about the licenses you yeah, should there's, have. Um, <laughs> there's like licenses to keep. There's licenses to breed. Um, for retakes, you need a license. In California, do you need a license to breed or keep retakes or anything? No, we don't. Um, venomous are their licenses. You need a permit to own them, and it's usually a permit for like to display them, like a zoo type of thing. Or you can get like a permit if you're gonna use the animal for like the movies or something. Which I know a lot of people who do that. But to have one as a pet, you can't. You can't have one like at all. Oh. Oh, so you can't keep venomous. You need some type of way that you are using them. Yeah, basically. And is that just kind of, I mean, an easy loophole? You can say, like, hey, I, you it's, know, give them out to this, or? No, it's not easy to get them, because they inspect everything. So, you is no, like, real loophole to get them, unless you're getting them illegally. Okay, because I thought maybe it was, like, someone used them once in some commercial, like, photo shoot or something, and then you can deem them all to be used for commercial use. No, they, you have to renew it almost every year, so. I mean, in a way, like, that kind of makes sense. Like, not everyone should have venomous snakes. I I kind of agree. I mean, you can go and, like, catch rattlesnakes. You only need, like, a fishing license to do that in California. But if you get caught with it, it's a whole other story. Like, they don't, it's not technically illegal, but if you get caught with it, they're going to take it. <laughs> so, but I, I I catch them just, I usually just move them off the road. But I go and like find them. It's fun to do. If you know what you're doing. Yeah. But I don't I keep what, doing. <laughs> what like gear do you wear or use? Snake. I just have a snake hook and usually jeans on. So, I mean. Cool. I mean, r- rattlesnakes are easy. They only have like very that's, obvious instincts. Yeah, that's like gonna kill you. <laughs> I mean, you so. have like Mojave's down there. That would be a shitty bite to get. Yeah, we have green Mojave's, green uh, speckled red Diamondbacks, Diamondbacks, just we have a bunch of different so much things. shit. Yeah. See, here we supposedly have a lot of rattlesnakes, but you never see them really. Um, West yeah, Texas, yeah, even I drive through West, West Texas, Texas and there's not. I, I find see them on the road. The thick rattlesnakes. It's like the majority of what I find. That cut off. I'm guessing you said Southern Pacific. Yeah. Okay. Um, I have no reference to what that is, but you do. <laughs> yeah. There. I'm just like venomous. Nope. Bye. And then I mean, like the veritas is gonna be. I mean, that's a that's a little kid's rattlesnake, really. What? What is a little kid's rattlesnake? It's not that dangerous. Mm, no. And then you get in the Mojave. It's kind of weird because of the neurotoxin, hemotoxin thing. But anything that can hurt me is dangerous. I yeah, that's another thing. Like I was the the Gila monster thing. Um, can you keep Gila's in California? You can't at all. <laughs> you is can't there have any place you can. Texas. Texas, you come just about every state except for California and Arizona because they're technically they're native, so we can't have them. 
and they're endangered. So there's that aspect to it. Oh, so there is a a native um, there's a native law there as far as when I lived in New York, you couldn't have anything native to New York. So it's like even a garter snake you couldn't have. Kind of. It depends on what it is. So Gila's we can't. Um, I mean, you can have a King's California King Snake. I mean, that type of. Which I want so bad. I want a rubber boa, another California. No, snake. those are gross. I don't like their heads. Oh, sorry. They look like. Wieners? I'm not gonna say no, not even that, but close. What you put on dildos, wieners. condoms. <laughs> they look like what? <laughs> or like a dildo? They what? look like dildos. <laughs> they they like feel dildos. like them too. Ew! Why do you know what a dildo feels like? Gross. Well, I can assume what it feels. Like. <laughs> <laughs> but a California king, yeah. So, like, do you go out and see those? Yeah, I mean, you find them. You find them all the time. You find. That's go to California and steal me one. Well, they're all different um, localities. So the locality in Southern California, are they, they're not like banded animals, are they? What is the phenotype there? Do you know? I have found banded ones. Um, I don't remember what else I found. <laughs> there is a couple. It depends on where though, because like, the different parts of Southern California tends to have different ones. So, like, I know people who have caught, like, striped out ones, and they're, like, an hour away from where we found banded ones. It's, it's just weird. So, I'm not really sure how that works out. Yeah, there's a bunch of, I mean, people who are in the Cali locality, um, king snakes. But, yeah, they're all, like... It can be a few miles away, and they tend to look a certain way in comparison to others. Didn't we get into that last time with some, with, what was it, with Eric, where there was some species that was really intense on localities, and it'd be like point one. Yeah, yeah, gray-banded king snakes, which I guess is still in king snakes. Right, like something about king Maybe snakes, people are super there. in the localities, I, for, unnecessarily so, in my opinion, but... But I mean, California was like the star is like the big market for snakes as far as like where all snake people are. It's like California, Texas. Like those are the two as far. Do you feel lucky to be in California to be surrounded by so many snake people? Yes and no. I don't like a lot of them. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's a conversation for after the podcast is over. There's a lot of there's a lot of people, so there's like a lot of drama that happens. Even if you don't, if you, if you try and like avoid, happens because there's so many people oh, trying I can't to be wait like to hear this. I love drama. Oh no. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a it's another conversation. Who are it the happens people everywhere. when you think California and the biggest breeders? Who are the three people that come to your well, mind? Well, like like I since. Coming from Calubra days, it's like people that don't even breed. It's like Bob Applegate. He doesn't uh, exist anymore, really? He exists. Well, He's living. I think he breeds I stuff, but he's a California guy who breeds pyros okay, and Cali Kings and stuff okay, like that. There's like all the Calubras. There's an Applegate line for all of them. He's just a guy in California who, you know, a lot of the back in the day in the 70s and shit, people were working from wild-caught animals, so he got all the cali the arizona new mexico animal stuff like that all the stuff in that area and 
started in like the eighties or something, so seventies, eighties, so Okay. Similar. Okay. What oh, I don't know. When you think Not California, the, head, the three top. Well, you I said there's. Megan, she knows. But more. you're the one who said there's so many people there. There are. I just. I think other people, but it's new people that don't have, you know, that big of a footprint. I mean, there's like prehistoric. Dan- oh, yeah, but I don't even want to start. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, Dan, who? Dan. Dan from DM Exotics. Dan Malari Oh, yeah, DM Apple. <laughs> yeah. And then um, there's a few people in San Diego I can't think of. Wait, do you else. know Dan? Dan who? Malari from DM Exotics. Yeah. He's married to Apple. <laughs> <laughs> He's always at the shows. You're obsessed like, with fucking Apple. Like, her name's Apple. Of course I'm obsessed with wait, her. Wait, say that like, again? I, I know him. We're not like friends, but like we know each other from the shows and like just being in California. So do you no. vend a lot of shows? Um, I used to, I usually, I just go to the shows, but I don't really, I don't really just have animals to sell, so I don't vend them. What are your I just go to hang out. On the California shows? Yeah, I was wondering about Pomona in general, or in specifically, rather. The Janie Pomona show is, like, one of the biggest ones. Like, it's become one of the biggest ones. Like, it didn't used to be. Um, you, there's points where you can't walk through the aisles because it's that packed. And a lot more people are vending more and more each year because it is getting better, bigger. So it's a fun time. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you have like a booth or like your friends have a booth, you can hang out for the day. But like walking around the show I is kind of a nightmare <laughs> because there's so many people. But there is a lot of stuff to see there, which is cool. Yeah, I hate that, the crowded feel. He always wants the VIP to get in an hour early, but I bet even, like, VIP there is nuts. It's not that bad. Okay. It's like, it opens before everyone's, like, finished setting up, so people are still setting up when the VIPs come in. Right. So it's not as bad, it's just people don't have a lot of time to talk to you right at the beginning. Because, you know, if you're a VIP, you're still kind of setting up. Yeah, I think it's just best to know someone to be working a table at yeah. most of the Yeah, shows. the best is knowing. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you feel, I mean, I'm assuming it's this way, do you feel that in most of the California shows that you go to, that, like, ball pythons still rule the world? Yeah, oh, yeah. Ball pythons everywhere. It's like every other table is a ball python table. So. Do you think that'll change? I mean, we've talked about this with other people, but it's just always nice to hear someone else's opinion. Like, do you think that'll change? What do you think it would take for that to change? A lot, there's a lot more people getting into retics. There's a lot of retic people in California, too, That then especially the Pomona show or the super shows. So... There's just, there's been more retakes at shows, like, in the last year or two, just because more people are, like, getting into it. They're, they're kind of becoming the new ball python market. I like yeah, that. But it's also, like, I don't know, what's your opinion on that? Because I think that there's, like, a few people qualified to keep retakes. Oh, no. Um, or, like, shouldn't own retakes or breed them because they don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Or, like, you know, I said, they don't know how to incubate eggs, and like, there's just a lot of people who like should really get more experience before getting into it. Cause a lot of people like to buy adults 
and then just try and breed them, which doesn't always work out the best. Yeah, I mean, everyone's looking for a shortcut. I mean, people should probably breed, like, ball pythons first or something like that. Yeah, I mean, the first thing I bred was an anaconda, but it's at least... (laughs) (laughs) At least start out with something small and get used to, like, how something grows big. Yeah, I mean, I think it's... It's hard to be like, hey, people don't do this because we've all done the things that you're going to tell someone not to do. So it's like. I just think, well, I mean, I grew up owning snakes. So I had ball pythons, boas, like pretty much everything growing up. So I got, as I got older, like I got used to like how things got bigger and like how to work with them. But from people who are just starting out, like don't jump right into something huge. Like, at least start with a baby and get as much information as you can about it and grow with it. Right. Or start with something small that's going to stay small. Yeah, I think it's just a weird thing because you never know who's going to be the person who sticks with something. I mean, you give someone a retick and like 10% of those people are going to see it through completion. Like the other 90% are going to grow out of it. That goes with any snake, but... Right. It, It all depends on the person, but... Yeah. <laughs> like, you could have given any of us any snake to start out with because we were interested in snakes and never lost the interest. Some people lose the interest a lot easier. Yeah, I, I see that a lot. I've seen people, even, like, people who are into snakes lose interest in a certain species within, like, six months. So it all depends on, like, that person. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, even if you do stay in snakes, sometimes you lose um, passion for the species. I mean, for me, I've... I've definitely, you know, gone through species as far as I used to have ball pythons, don't anymore, corn snakes, carpet pythons, all that stuff. So I've done all those things, so I can't say anything. When I was younger, I was starting to get into ball pythons, and I got into the bigger snakes. Now I've also kind of gotten back into ball pythons because, like, the morphs, what they can do with them is a lot more than you can do with other snakes. Like, they're a lot brighter, there's more colors, and there's more mutations to them. There's a lot you can do. It's a lot to, like, relearn because if you get it, kind of lose it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because new things happen all the time. Right. But, I mean, as far as retakes, you got such a good possibility of hitting things as far as if you have hets, like, you have 40 babies to get the visual out of. Yeah, you have a higher percentage of getting what you want out of it, which is cool. But then at the same time, if you get, like, a paw set and it doesn't prove out, you're stuck with like these random babies that are very hard to sell. Mm -hmm. I feel like even if you get one that is a hat and you make something super rare, you automatically make it not rare because you just made 30 of it. It also, you kind of have to like, in a certain way, you have to keep your supply and demand. So you gotta like keep those back. Kind of like what Bob did with the pie. He didn't let them, he didn't sell them all at first. He kept back like a bunch of them before he started selling them. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense, because once you breed a pied to a pied, then you make 40 pieds, so it's like you automatically <laughs> have so much more. Yeah, it's it's crazy how that works, but... Do you find it so much easier that you have an animal that people still like the natural form of? It's easier, but then you all... I'm very picky who I sell to at the same time, so if I don't think you can take care of it, I won't sell to you. So it's, so it's do like you have like a vetting process, kind of. I mean, I try and see if they have experience with at least large snakes, and 
I also have to ask like where they live because some places I can't sell a large snake to. Legally I can't. Okay. So there is like this vetting process where like, I just have to ask a bunch of random questions just to try and make sure they know what they're getting themselves into. And is the growth rate like um I know when retics are sold at shows, Ryan always tells people, Hey, this will go through three cages in a year. Um, do anacondas grow that fast? No, they're very, very slow. They're a lot slower. You can, get your, you can get a retic to 10 feet in a year if you want, if you feed it enough. Where an anaconda, you can feed it just as much, but it's going to be a quarter of the size. Like I have uh, it's, it's a wait it's a waiting game with anacondas for sure. No, yeah, we went over that, yeah. but I was wondering as far as I mean, I know breeding maturity may be different than the rate of growth. No, I saw two year old that I bred that I produced two years ago. <laughs> She's four and a half feet now. And they came come out at eighteen inches usually. So, wait, you can still keep that animal probably in a CB70 or one of those big blood python tubs? Yeah. She's in a CB70 right now, so. Cool. Okay. My question is kind of um, narcissistic. <laughs> but, okay, so y'all were talking about, you know, like, producing some snakes that are hard to sell because they're just... Uh, I I came in halfway in the conversation, but y'all were talking about that. But do you feel like selling a Megan Kelly Kelly snake? I don't know how to ask. Does that that hold some weight as far as do you feel like it holds weight? And I know that makes you be like kind of narcissistic, but because of the reputation I have, people want. I mean, it happens with anyone who has like a good reputation in the hobby or a big reputation. People want something from you because they trust your quality of it and like what you do with it before they get it. So like they'll trust you instead of someone, some random person. Even if they can get a better deal, they don't. They're unsure of that animal because they don't know like that person. So if you have like a better name in the hobby or a bigger name, people tend to trust you more because of you know how you show you take care of everything. I think that's that's just marketing in general, which is so common in the reptile hobby that like 90% of people try to sell. They produce so many animals, but they don't market at all. So when they go to sell, no one buys them. So it's like, um, you know, you have to market your animals because people are going to buy from Megan and not from a lot of the other dudes that we mentioned because people don't know them. So it's like, it's a big deal. And... As far as, like, your social media, like, you don't even tag stuff or anything like that well, on like Instagram. Fault, like, how, have you, build, how have you built social media? I have no idea. <laughs> I started out just posting, like, my pet anacondas. Like, I had no intentions of breeding at the time. I had, like, two when I started, like, posting on Instagram. And then it just kind of kept growing. I think it was because I was a girl was into like big snakes i had i had to have other big snakes i think that kind of just fueled it and then when i did start like actually treating it kind of like as a business aspect where like i started breeding them i grew up all my things like if you go back you can see how i grew up all my animals i that's kind of when the following started come the followers started coming in it's just i just kind of turned it more business 
than just pets. So how long have you been, yes, hitting Instagram hard? <laughs> Actually, I'm kind of, I've kind of pulled away from Instagram a little just because I'm tired of, like, the idiots. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I mean, I just started, I just post pictures and it just kind of just took its own course. I never really, like, tried to do anything. But wow. you're like you're like the only because you're saying it's because you're a girl who likes big snakes. But all the other girls who are popular like post kind of like slutty pictures and stuff, okay, and you don't didn't at all. Have to go there. Well, I'm you gonna be said honest. Suggest should suggestive pictures. Suggestive pictures. But it's like you built just as big of a following without having to be just like, being like a person who likes snakes. I have no idea. I I don't. Okay, we're basically just trying to figure out how to get sixty thousand followers because that's what we want i i just like i said i just started posting pictures of my pets and like it turned into what it is and it just it just kept growing i never tried to do anything or any of that so damn that's not helpful megan (laughs) i mean the attention the attention works for some people but i just i never tried to do it that way and i like it's just not who i am so Oh no! Well, I mean, we're always trying to grow right, our brand. Trying to have like the animals first because like, I got them. Which we do. Which is, but clearly it's not working for us. Like it worked oh for God. her. Well, she's been doing it a lot longer than us. Yeah. I mean, I do have other Instagrams for like the ball python part of it because I've been okay. doing that with my boyfriend. That is taking a lot longer to grow. But tagging does help. Yes. We, yeah. Oh, <laughs> shit. I lost my thought. No, I think... Oh, I was saying, like, anacondas are going to get more attention than corn snakes. Or ball pythons, even. Or, yeah, ball that's the thing. Like, the too. stuff we post isn't, like, the biggest snake or the most popular. Like, you know, the ball pythons are the most popular, and, like, anacondas are the bigger ones. So, like, we're... We don't have that. You got lame snakes. <laughs> no, I love our snakes, but they're not the biggest they're or the most popular. Yeah. Now we. This is a question that we asked. Um, we had a female on our last show. Is there any difference as far as you feel being a female in this industry than, say, even your boyfriend? Yeah, it's a lot creepier. <laughs> That's what Sarah said, too. I don't know if you know Sarah more. She's a corn snake breeder, but... So probably not. I don't I don't know who she is. I recognize the name, though. She um, runs... Uh, what's the Sarah's group? Snake Shop. No, no, no. Oh. The, on Facebook. A uh, corn group. snake ID group. Yeah, corn snake ID group. Okay. Uh, yeah, being a girl in the hobby is a lot creepier. Because you get guys constantly, like, asking if you want to see their snake. Yeah. Or you get... Or you get, you know, the pictures you don't want to get. That's happened. Are there um, more like, this... um, are there more corn snakes or like anacondas? <laughs> ew, ew, I didn't even get that at first. Ew. It's gross. Are they melanistic? <laughs> Albino? What is going on? Stop. Stop. They all have one eye, though. Stop. See, that's, ugh, that makes me sad. I mean, not like I'm surprised, because that's... It happens... Men, that's how men act in every other freaking, you know, industry, but... 
bugs me the most when people say my anaconda don't. Because oh, it's that like Nicki Minaj song. <laughs> it's constant. So it's it's really annoying. I actually have it written in like my bio for Instagram. I was like, stop saying it. <laughs> like, do guys think that that's like a way to introduce themselves? Like a slick move? I mean, everyone kind of says it, but guys will try and do it in like a flirty way, which is really, really annoying. And I'm just like, can you just go away? Do you try to answer like every message on, well, obviously not those, but like every other message on Instagram? I can only imagine how many you get in a day. I try to if it's like a serious question where a lot of it is just like people saying something about like the picture or the animal. But if someone has a question, I do try and answer them. Like the best, and there's also a lot of people who like will answer it before I am able to answer it. So, and if they're right, I kind of just leave it at that. You get a lot of people who aren't right but want to give their opinions on things. So I'll try at, at that point. I'll try and correct them and like give them more of an educated answer. But there are some people who like are correct in what they're saying, so I just leave it. Yeah. And I mean, Sarah said that she feels that um, she's been in the industry like six years or something, but she's a female. So she feels like guys are taking a little bit more serious, even if they've had less time in the industry. Yeah, so much so. Like, I mean, I get shit all the time just because I'm a girl with bigger animals and people, you know, try and tell me I'm not strong enough to do that or I don't know what I'm doing. And it's like the industry is very like geared towards how guys where if, like, a girl comes in, it's like, what, she doesn't know what she's doing. She's an idiot. Like, it's that type of mentality. Yeah, which, I mean, is just so stupid in anything. I mean, especially because you think about it, like, snakes, they don't care whether you're a male or a female. No. <laughs> but it is more common for guys to be more interested in it than girls, it seems. Or at least they're more open about it, I should say. Because there are a lot of girls in the hobby who do enjoy the animals and then there's but you never see them as much as if you see all the guys into it do you feel like there's an increasing like female base of keepers and breeders yeah now there is i mean when i was younger and like when i started out uh not so much yeah i think it's all kind of shifting i mean just the online world in general makes it less weird like snake keeping used to be like back in the day when everything was wild caught people didn't have to breed and like the guys who were selling things like barely knew what their snakes were and it was a very like dark side of uh like an underground thing i feel like now everything's like coming to light and things are normalizing <laughs> yeah there's a lot more people who are like getting educated on the animals instead of like fearing them and like social media has kind of helped with that so that's good point of it. Yeah, I mean, there's, um, you know, some people who are held in high regard out there. Some that you've mentioned already that like are the biggest names in the hobby and people that see out there the most. Um, how do you feel that, you know, people on YouTube and stuff like that affect our hobby? Do you think it's good, bad, and different? I just like that you're talking very general, but we all know who we you're, all know we all know who you're talking around. about, but you're going very general, but it's okay. I'm get, you're talking about Brian, right? <laughs> that, and like, also Jay, because you had mentioned Jay before, so. 
I mean, I know Jay, like, personally. Like, he's, I've known him for a long time. He's nowhere near as bad as Brian. Like, I do have videos with Brian on his channel. It's just, it was different when I did those videos with him. Um, now it seems he's all towards, like, attention and, like, getting views and stuff. And, like, a couple years ago, it wasn't that bad. Like, he wasn't trying to get views. It was trying to get, like, something. Because, like, when he did the video, first video with me, it was around the time that Eatin' Alive show came out. And he contacted me wanting to do a video kind of going against what that show was. And showing how the animals can be nice and, like, you know, try and actual edu actually educate people about it. So that's why I did that with him. But now it seems like it, he's just all about getting views. But he was also doing a classic YouTube trick where it's like you take what's popular at the moment and then and you feed tag off stuff of it. like that. Right. Yeah, it's, he's still kind of doing that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's no. like you... I would hope, from his perspective, he wanted to talk to you about your anacondas just for you and your anacondas. Yes and no. I mean, though, if you go back and watch the video, it is toward... it. The whole video is based around, like, my animals and how I raise them and, like, take care of them and, like, why they are so docile and how they're not, like, you know, these man-eaters everyone thinks. Because everyone does think that, like, they are these man-eaters and they're not. So when we did that video... It was just kind of showing, like, the real side of them and how they can be with, like, proper care and handling and, like, all that. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, like, it was legit because it was such... If people don't remember when that came out, there was, like, a show on Discovery Channel, Eaten Alive by an Anaconda. A guy was going to get eaten alive by an Anaconda. You keep adding a D in that word. Anaconda? Yeah, you see Anaconda? You keep saying Anaconda. Oh, well, I don't... Anaconda is what There I'm you saying. go, yeah. Oh. Well, it's like... <laughs> Sorry. But it's like there was such a firestorm and people in the hobby going crazy that it's like... Yeah, that, I mean, that makes sense. Even if he was tagging along on something that was popular, it makes sense to properly educate people. Even though... He made a show on Discovery Channel like a year later, but I want to go see this video. Wait, do you know the exact name of it? I mean, I can send you the link to it. Oh, yeah, that makes my life easier. <laughs> <laughs> but that's cool that she was on Brian's show. Like that. Did that get you a lot of hits <laughs> as far as social media and videos go and stuff? That did the whole eating alive thing just in itself did because everyone knew me as, you know, the girl with anacondas, like nice anacondas. So that kind of drew everyone towards my page because of all the anacondas and the, just like the similarity between it. Like I even got tagged in some of his pictures like you should check this girl out. Like she knows what she's doing, you're an idiot. Like the guy who was trying to I think his name was Paul something. He was trying he's the one on that show. So he was like trying to say he was going to conserve the Amazon by getting eaten alive by an anaconda or some shit. Anaconda? And is that what I'm saying? Anaconda. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um shoot, I lost totally lost my question. Do you feel like that set you behind that in that specific show? No, but it bu it bumped her ahead. But it didn't. So like a lot of people saw that as, like, reality, where, like, an anaconda could eat you. Um, it did get me more attention just because I have a nice anacondas. 
but a lot of like normal people who aren't into reptiles saw it as like a thing to like kind of tell me that you can't those people you can't like educate on like no like that's not how they are like they're kind of set in their ways once they see that show which is really it's like the movie everyone thinks the movie anaconda is real and everyone real. me too so wait what the movie anaconda everyone thinks that's like a documentary <laughs> and so people like, come up to me like won't it eat you won't it get like 60 feet and i'm just like no like don't watch that show don't watch we don't watch any of that like it's all wrong <laughs> yeah i mean i think people think in the movie the snake was like 50 feet and like do people also people. believe like snakes on a plane like are we to that level? those are real snakes on a plane man <laughs> Yeah, that was well. A lot of those were real snakes. A lot, some of it was like CGI, though. But that guy—that's a guy in California. I think he lost like twenty-five percent of those colubrids. He lost in the set, so wow. he never found those. So, <laughs> wait, what? I know who that was. Who did that? Who put whose animals those were? See, it really is cool to live in California. Yeah, yeah, but that's not how I know him. Um, he's second cousin. He's my second cousin who does all that. Oh, is my dad? Well, it's his animals. The people working on it, uh, I don't really know them too much. But like, it was you know that guy and his partner doing it. So that's how I knew him. But I grew up going to his place, like seeing all his animals and all his venomous and like alligators and stuff. Like he has the permits for all the stuff we were talking about earlier. So it was just cool. That's kind of how I stuck with reptiles. Like it was, I was seeing it once in a while, and I always grew up with like you know the small. And small snakes and lizards and stuff. So, so well, wait, once is, you put a corn snake or a milk snake on a set, it's, it's gone, man. You're never gonna find it. Well, I was about it. to ask, like, is that rumor true that he lost 25%? I don't know that exactly. I know, I mean, I'm sure some got lost, but they weren't really gonna survive depending on like what, where they were. I don't think they lost that many, to be honest, because they do keep very good track of their animals. I don't even. I I don't know. So I don't know. But I do I know that's hearsay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What was your question? No, I'm just still <laughs> thinking of how cool it is to live in California. In the and then, world. like, uh, I know Jay had that um, monitor that was on that Disney show. Yeah. Wait, was it on uh the? You wouldn't know. I know. Was, was it. it the one in set in New York where it was like it's the nanny? That wa- Waverly Place, Oh, right? is that one? It was... No, I might be making No, it was up. like, it no. was Jesse. <laughs> it was, yeah, the girl was the nanny to the little Indian Megan kid. Megan knows, but we're talking bullshit. Is that show Jesse something? Yes, yeah, yeah. Because the little Indian, that's wrong. I shouldn't say that. One of there the children is. had a pet <laughs> monitor. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. All that lizard a girl in the show, but in reality, it's a male. Very big, very big male. Interesting. See? Fuck Hollywood, man. (laughs) Do you find that, I mean, have you been asked to be part of these kinds of things before? Not me, but I've had animals be part of it and stuff. So you've donated, like had anacondas or something in some type of movie or some type of setting like that? Um, not exactly a movie or anything, but, like, music videos, 
I've done news things with them to like promote the reptile shows there too, with certain reptile shows. Um, I mean, I've been on TV a couple times with them too, so it's it all depends on like what's going on and who contacts you for it. So, um, someone asked, "What is your favorite snake in your collection?" Mine. Mm-hmm. I have two, and they're both anacondas. Um, Puppy, my biggest one, because she was my first anaconda, and she's like this. She's a sweetheart. And then the second one I bought, his name's Blue, and he's my biggest male. He's also like puppy dog tame. He's just like he's really really cool and calm. Like everyone seems to love him the most because he's also very handleable because he's smaller. Like my boyfriend never liked anacondas, and then he's like he loves that one. <laughs> So see, the introduce introducer snake. <laughs> I guess that's not a word. Introducer was your your boyfriend was into snakes before. Yeah, yeah. He he's been breeding retics longer than I can remember. It's weird how you would think that that would be such an easy transition, but like you know, a large snake to a large snake. But a lot of retic guys are very into retics. I guess just because they take up so much space. Yeah. A lot of retake guys are also into, like, berms, too. Because they're very similar. I feel like those go hand in hand. Kind of, yeah. I, feel like, I mean, at least everyone I've met who has retics has berms, too. So. <laughs> oh, no. I'm trying to convince re- myself that I don't want one. But I kind of want one. But the whole shitting all over. Oh, the retic? Yeah. They're fun. I mean, just, you try one? I've had a lot of, I've had, I've held a lot of Ryan's babies. But a baby. But a baby is obviously way different. Right. But I really, like, I've said this before, I really just want to have it for like a year or two and then give it back. That's <laughs> I've no well, interest in like breeding work. them or anything. Like, but they're really cool. And, like, Ryan's, like, what, like, what's the one, like, dream sickle, or am I making that up? You're, I'm making that you're up. at a albino. You're at a white albino, a regular albino. What's the, no, what's the one, he didn't bring it to the show, you posted it, though. Ultra Ivory, blah, 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 blah. A bunch of shit, we don't know. Ultra Ivy, Golden Child, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know either. <laughs> so, what... Are your future projects like obviously you know like you're focusing on your anacondas right now, and you were talking about like the darkers and the light. But, like, what are your future projects for anacondas? Um, I have or one just with, in like, general this... across your collection. I mean, I'd eventually breed everything I have, just because I have like you know males and females, and like I have morphs that will go together and look really really nice as babies. Um. I'm not really in a rush to breed any of those, though. If I'm, like I said, I'm mostly focusing on the anacondas. So, but I do try and, like, in a way, line breed them. So, like, I do get cool-looking babies, even though they're normal. They're, like, different, though. Like, I have one female that has, like I said, the orange, bright orange face instead of just right. on the head. I want to try and get a baby out of her that looks like her. So, that's, like, my next goal is to breed her and see what happens would you ever get a corn snake? I've had corn snakes. Wow. <laughs> Everyone's had corn snakes. Okay. How exciting is it compared to an anacondas? <laughs> right, nothing. It's <laughs> so. 
I mean, I understand. Once you go big, you don't go back. I mean, I'd get into hog noses because they're cool. Oh. Yeah, they live yeah. That's a sore spot for me. We have hog noses. <gasps> she does not like them. Why? They're not they're like bitches. They're not like regular snakes. They're very different. They are just annoying. I just, I the ones, the ones I've dealt with have annoying or bitchy at all. I mean, I do have my other people say they they have other experiences, but I have one right now that belongs to my friend who she bought it about five months ago now and hasn't been able to get it to eat on its own. So I've been like helping her get it eating. See, they're picky too. Yeah, so we've been. He tried. Uh, frogs, toads, uh, pinkies, tried eggs. I've tried everything. Um, I've had success with like getting the pinky in its mouth and then it kind of eats it from there. Um, but it won't like strike or eat it on its own just yet. So it's getting there. Have you tried? Well, I guess you've already tried all. I was about to suggest reptilings, but she's tried everything that goes well, in a reptilian, like with frog toes. What I I have to still mostly for my male is always tuna scented. So yeah, I haven't tried that yet, but I have heard that helps too. They're just they're just kind of a pain in the ass. They're not like regular colubrids when you get them eating. They always eat and everything's good. Yeah, um, they're just they're so off annoying. And on also, and if I walk within fucking 10 feet of their tub they're they're hissing at me and just like injuring themselves by hitting the tub for no good reason i'm nowhere near them oh (laughs) well maybe his are special that's so (laughs) annoying but i'm i'm excited for the babies we make from them yeah we are okay read them this year and i think those will be cool yeah we're gonna get snows and we'll keep snow yeah snows i like how snows look i really like a lot of i don't know if you know jmg reptiles but i like a lot of his hog nose okay i've seen them online and stuff yeah so we'll see if the babies come out as annoying as far as like ball pythons what genetics are you working with a lot of banana clown um some pied stuff um, I mean, there's a mixture of everything else in between, like lesser, pastel, orange dream, like all that stuff, spider. So, it's just a mixture of everything. We, I'm mainly focusing on, like, the clown banana stuff. Because I like those the best. <laughs> what what range are you with them as far as, um, do you just have hats or do you have a visual clown I- to a banana or? I have visuals of just about everything. Oh, okay. So oh. You're a little bit further ahead in the That's project. the way to go. I'm trying not to talk to talk over her. Yeah, you can talk. I don't know. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I know we're, like, pausing so it doesn't cut out and we talk over, but then we don't know whether so to ask like, another damn. question. <laughs> um... Retakes, where are you as far as how old are your retakes and what do you have? Like mine or like my boyfriend's because we kind of breed them together. I have adult oh, males. So it all blends. What? So it all blends together. Kind of. I mean, there's OGS stuff like, you know, Orange Ghost Stripe. 
anthrax stuff. Um, then you get, you know, all the motley golden childs, all that in between. Phantom, tigers, gold, you know, all that. <laughs> Sunfire. You have a mixture of, like, everything. So. What is something you don't have that you want? I want a Mochino Motley retic. I just love how they look. Cool. I shouldn't ask that question because I don't know what you're talking about. So <laughs> I don't know what that looks like. I mean, I, you know, I can make the Machino Motley if I really wanted to. So I will Google it right now while you ask Go the for question. It. Yeah, the Dream <laughs> Snakes is the albino anaconda. Like I want one of those in my lifetime. How how much are those and there's is there anyone producing visuals? Um Ben was uh I don't know I don't think the female had any babies though yet. So whoever's breeding his stuff now will probably try to breed them again. But there's only one caramel albino known still. And there's one albino, and I think the al- just the like the T negative. I f- don't think they're planning on breeding that one. But Ben was trying to make snows, which is the Anery caramel. So if anything, it's going to be from his animals. That would be fucking wild. The lot giant snow. Oh, so cool! So they first they're going to make. The visual caramels because the female double head isn't old enough yet to breed. So you're gonna see the double heads, and then you're also gonna see the caramels first. So caramels head for snow. They're gonna be pos head. Oh, that's gonna be tough without. I mean, I guess, and then you would keep all those back and maybe raise all those out. Or the, I mean, yeah, probably. <laughs> They'd probably sell a couple, but, you know, you can just figure out what you think is a head and what you can get. Because some, like, heads, you kind of show through a little. It's not like a thing, but, like, you can kind of tell. Are anacondas like that, or are you just talking about snakes in general, or have they seen in anacondas? You can, just in general, like, you can kind of see heads show through on a lot of things. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I got way into the chat. Oh. Um, the chat is way off subject. Um, Usually is. We're talking about feminism. Oh, no. And Lily Pad said feminists are crazy, and I had to tell her I'm a feminist. Oh, and we, it's just, sorry, chat. it just got, we got into the, because t- we were talking about women in the industry and yeah. Raven was saying like Megan I totally understand what you're saying because Raven owns a vape store which not saying like vape and snakes are the same but she said she gets judged like automatically because she's a woman she said she's have people walk into the store notice the owner is a woman and walk out which but those are like douchey guys <laughs> who vape right I don't, are... I don't know anything about sorry Sorry if anyone vapes out there. (laughs) But I think there's double standards against women being bosses in in any situation. And it's like, Megan, how do we get more women into this industry? Make them not afraid of stuff. Women seem to be a lot more scared of, like, reptiles and stuff, which makes no sense. Because 
it's kind of like people expect a girl to be scared of them. When if it all, it's all like kind of how you're raised. If you're raised yeah. around certain things, like you're not going to be afraid of it. Of those things, which is it's just society. For, like you said, how we raise reason, girls. Like if you're into that stuff, like society paints you as a tomboy. Right. And so then you're like less of a girl. But but guys that. also like danger and they like things that are not like they like to have a snake and scare someone like a little kid. They like the scare aspect of it. True. A like girl who would have a snake would want to take care of it. A little boy wants to fucking put it in your bed and fuck with you. <laughs> kind I of. Little boys just, I knew, like, yeah, I think little <laughs> boys are just wired to, like, be in the dirt and fuck around and do all that kind of stuff. Society wired them, though. Society, man. Evolution. That was me as a kid. I was playing in the dirt. Yeah, see, there's a I mean, girls I, out there. I grew up kind of doing guy shit. I grew up playing ice hockey, so I was kind of always somewhat of a tomboy. Oh, yeah. Does it? It gets that cold. So in California, no. <laughs> Drinks. Um, uh, let me understand. Uh, modern technology. Have you ever uh, seen a refrigerator or yeah, a freezer? Yeah, but the, usually we've learned how to manipulate usually temperature. Usually, in states where it doesn't get that cold, it's just not a thing. Like in Re- yeah, but in, we went ice skating here in Dallas. But like, but ice hockey no ice, teams right? are not a thing here in Texas, yes, they Louisiana. Are, Alabama, Mississippi, like ice hockey teams aren't like a thing. Like as far as at the high, at the at the young level, they're not no. they're not a thing. Like in high school, it, all the high schools in my state, there was an ice hockey teams. I mean, I live in California, and they had ice ice hockey teams. There you go. Well, but in you, the deep south where it's hot, we don't have where bros. you have no teeth. Like you... we also don't have lax bros because that's a, that's a thing in the north. No, they have that in California. Too. In California, it's different. <laughs> yeah, but like in the in the South, we don't play lacrosse that much. It's not a thing. Okay, thing. you eat rodents. Find the right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it's not. That's my beer. <laughs> Are we going to get more beer after this? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> ah, that's me. Okay. Um. Well, it is. We are at two hours, so we get in this. Let's have other questions. Um, so obviously, you have babies that your female just had. So, are they started yet, and are you ready to sell them? I'm taking deposits on them. They haven't shed yet, and I haven't offered them food yet because you know I, I wait for them to shed mostly. Um, I will try and offer them a rat pup, and if they take it, then. You know, but I do wait for them to go through that first process of eating a couple meals and shedding before I let them go. But I do take the pot on them just to hold them because they do go pretty fast. How many feeds do you typically wait? Usually about three to four. And is that transitioned fully to rodents or you still um, offer them once they're on chicks? Uh, I try and offer them rodents when they're still on chicks and I sell them when they're still on chicks. But I usually try and do the first two meals with live, and then I try and switch them to frozen thawed. Like the further first second, or the further second and third, fourth. I can't talk. <laughs> okay, okay, and I don't even know like the price range of an anaconda. Um, 
between a thousand and twelve hundred. Okay. Well, and then uh, are, are females more expensive than males? Yeah, usually, because a lot more people we seem to want females. At least in the beginning, they did because they they get bigger. But I've had a lot more people wanting males right now, which is very odd. So after the Lacey Act, when you said you saw that like big jump, like okay, we originally it was like a thousand to twelve hundred. Like how much did they jump? They jumped from wild cots being a hundred dollars to you can't get them anymore. Where captive red ones were like four hundred, four fifty, and. I was the first one to have babies, so I kind of set the price in a way, and I was selling them for 800 at the time. And then from there, Nerd had them, and the price went up to 1000 to 1200 And then people who had... Because the Lacey Act um, stopped, he stopped it from people getting them into Texas. Whoever bred them in Texas actually sold them for like 1500 and sold them inside Texas. I mean, Damn. That makes sense, though. I mean, once... That's what's nice about, like, Australian pythons. We're never going to have more of them come in, so the supply is always in our control. So it's like, my jungles will always be worth a certain amount because it's not brought down by wild caught. So it's like, like, for, I've been really into Amazon tree boas lately, so it's like, you can get those for $25 wild caught, but it's like, you know, so in order for you to breed captive born, it takes a bunch of time and effort, and then you can't even sell them for that much. So people just buy $25 wild caught ones. So I think that's really healthy as far as people respecting the animal. So it's like, it I'm also glad. stops people impulse buying stuff. Right. So they can afford a hundred dollars. They're not going to be able to afford like it's proper caging and stuff like that. If you're doing it on impulse buy, like there are some people who like, you know, did get the animal for that price and then took really well care of it. But a lot of people who just, kind of are like know the stereotype of them see it and like oh i can afford that right now and it's an impulse thing so that's i'm away from which is a good in an aspect because they do get so big and you do have to know what you're doing when they are that size yeah you certainly wean out the bullshit when it's over a thousand dollars do you think it's harder to do that whole the weaning and the vetting in reptile shows at reptile shows, yes, because there's a lot going on, and people are usually asking you questions about the animal more than, like, you can, like, do that. And also, with, like, if you're selling over online, you can kind of, like, I guess, stalk them to figure out things, too. <laughs> Where you can't do that in person. Sometimes, at least you're, sometimes you look at someone's profile, you're like, I don't trust this fucking guy. We got the other day trying to buy one. He had like one follower and like a blank profile. I was like, no. Yeah. And there was another guy in Mexico who was like trying to get me to sell him. I kept telling him no. And he just, he just, and then he said, you know, fuck you because I told him no. That's a, that's an undercover agent trying to get you to <laughs> sneak him across the border or some shit. It, I'm very careful who I sell to. And I, I don't. I do try and, like, ask as many questions as I can before I sell and make sure they're prepared for what they're knowing. No, do you do that at all with your ball pythons? I haven't sold any ball pythons. I'm kind of just... Okay, never mind. I'm sure that that's definitely an issue, though, as far as, like, agents trying to get you, like, fish and wildlife trying to get you to do something illegal because it is an anaconda. 
Yeah, like during when late the first time I was selling because of Lacey Act things happening, you couldn't sell to Texas or Florida, so you would get a lot of people that had like fake profiles. It looked like trying to get you to ship there, get you to do it, and so like that is something you still kind of have to look out for depending on where you're shipping to because there are some states that don't allow you to own them, but it is legal for you to ship them. But I still don't like to ship to those states. I won't sell to certain people if I know their laws. You know, don't let them have them. Yeah. I think some people, like, say, do your due diligence and know your state laws before purchasing, but it's really kind of the person who's selling that should know that prior. That Yeah, that too. It should be, like, both people knowing. Because, like, if the person doesn't know their own laws and you tell them to look it up, they'll look it up and some will be like, oh, I can't have it. And then there's also the person selling who is like, I know you can't have it here, so I'm not going to sell to you. So it's, like, on both people's end. Yeah. Or you have people who don't give a fuck. Like, I mean, for me, it's corn snakes you can't sell in Georgia, which is absolutely fucking ridiculous. But it's That makes sense. So stupid. Yeah. But it, but I did buy a corn snake um, about a year ago, and the guy was in South Carolina, and it showed up with a Georgia return address, which is always fucking great. <laughs> That's not at all. Wait, repeat that? Sorry, it cut out. Very suspicious at all. Yeah, yeah. But People then at the same time, dumb, that I'm dude. okay with, because it's I'm a not. dumb law. But it's a dumb law. It's a dumb law, but still don't get me involved in your bullshit. True. True. Yeah. So. Um. Okay. This is kind of a off-topic question, and I don't even know if she's asking it to y'all, but it's it's Lilypad, so all of her questions get asked. She said, "Do you think there is a is a need for more exotic pet vets? Because she that's what she wants to be when she's grown up. Good exotic vets out there, because a lot of them do both." And they're not really specialized in exotics too much. And they give a lot of wrong information to people trying to seek help and actually hurting the animal more. There's a lot more people I know who know what's wrong with the animal than of taking it to a vet would know. But there are like some people that are very good at that who do specialize in just vets. Or exotic. <laughs> exotic. Yeah, specializing if in pets. Find, yeah. <laughs> if you find an exotic vet that's good, it's like gold. Like, there's way too many people who, because you can't make money specializing in reptiles, there's just not enough money to be made. You need the people with dogs and stuff like that. Um, it would be very rare. You'd have to be in a perfect spot in order to make your whole, um, your whole practice, you know, revolve around exotic pets. So, they're really a dime a dozen. So I think you really need those. And like, um, a good exotic vet I knew, he like worked the zoos and stuff like that. So that's like another route. But even when he's working the zoos, he does big cats, he does birds, he does reptiles. There's no one doing just reptiles looking into all the science, which is very sparse on just reptiles. Mm-hmm. Like the science is sparse, the vets are sparse, everything. Cause I think you, to have a vet who specializes, specializes in reptiles, it takes a lot of their own initiative. Like, there's not, like, school to go to for that. Like, it would take them reading all the books, and them reading all their research. If you made a market for yourself, you wouldn't be poor. Mm. If you found a hot spot snake place. If you were in Dallas, it, which is, like, the most popular Which is a hot one. spot, right. Like, 
everyone would come to you if you were just a reptile vet. Right, but there's vet. still only 20 of us. Okay, California. There's a lot of us. Thank you. If you go to California, you're only a vet, vet, re- reptile vet. But like I said, but that then takes cost a- of living is 20 times higher than it is everywhere else. So it's like then you have to make even more money. Move out of California. Wait, I'm sorry. Repeat that. But California is very expensive, just like you were saying. And I can't wait to move out of California. Wait, really? Where would we move to? Maryland. That's where my boyfriend lives. Oh, and that's where the retics well, and girl, stuff are. Girl, that's super long distance. But, but that's also a hotbed. That's a good place to be. Yeah. Okay, we're having two different conversations. <laughs> well, yeah, you're talking about, like, life, and I'm talking about Wait, rest. but how do you, like, share... How do you do combined projects when he's in Maryland? Uh, most of my retics are here. Like the adult the breeders are here. Are you in Maryland right now? Yeah. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. That's that's intense. Yeah, and but I mean, we've been um, we live in Texas, and I'm from New York. So the reason why I moved from New York to pretty much anywhere else is because it's too expensive. Yeah. I mean, California. I grew up in California, so I kind of like am adapted to the living situation. But I still hate it. I hate how many people there are just jam packed into one tiny space. <laughs> oh. I grew up like that, and I've always been more like an outdoor person. So being in Maryland, LA, or at least my version of LA. Yeah, LA. It's just houses and buildings everywhere. You go pretty much anywhere else, it's not. <laughs> So do you think that would affect, that move is going to affect your collection at all, or no? I don't think so. If you do it right, it shouldn't. So. You go in in one shot? Because I, I moved from New York to Colorado, and that my whole thing was like not taking as much time. I went like 30 hours straight. When, if you move, are you going as fast as you can from That's all. There's no way Maryland? you can do that in one That's trip. That's like two straight up two days. I think I would do. I mean, I'd obviously do it with someone else, so like we'd switch off driving. So probably try and go all the way. Damn, that's a good plan. I like it. That's between, so we can like stop at places, like have a destination to stop for a day. Okay, so see, she would stop. See, he's trying. I'm not stopping for shit. He's trying to. Well, we're planning to move. Oh wait, sorry, you talk. It's an option to like stop because you like you know meeting reptile people. They're all over the country. It just depends on where, what state you're going through. You can stop at certain places. Well, I'm glad you say that because this one acts like it's not even an option to stop anywhere. It's not an option. He, we're moving to Philadelphia, which I'm pretty sure is like 21 hours. And he's like, <laughs> I'm driving it straight. I'm not stopping at all. Da, 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 da. Don't fall asleep. You can probably do it. <laughs> I, I am fine. It's just, you know, I don't like um, things like my green tree or my olive if if something happened man if i just want if i can keep them 70 the whole time then that's fine i'm sure they'll be fine but i want to keep it in that window of like i'm comfortable with shipping an animal overnight you know it being in the box for like 24 hours so i want to keep them being in their state moving for that long you can just put the heat pack that you would use for shipping in there too which would regulate that yeah, yeah, that's what I um I usually run heat tape in a like top mm-hmm. uh, Tupperware type of big storage bin 
with um, thermostats on them. So that's what I did. When Wait, I moved how to do you run the heat tape? Well, you plug it. I got an adapter for oh, the car plug that it plugs in. in a wall thing with a thermostat. So I'm just crazy, man, I guess. <laughs> I think I the smarter option is to like, stop. But, but my snakes aren't 15 feet long, so I don't know. <laughs> it's different. You can another way to do big snakes is you delta them since you know my boyfriend already lives here. He has cages already, so I can just ship him like delta dash, and he can get them and set them up and have them set is up. That and super then I just expensive. Kinda... It's actually not that bad. Okay. Would so, you have to like wood crate something that big? No, you can buy like big enough like plastic tubs. You just have to zip tie them shut or like latch them and lock them and stuff like that. Oh really? So. Um, there's no insulation. It would just be a plastic tub that you put a shipping label on. In there to keep the heat. So I mean, you still have to pack it like you would normally pack it. It's just a different outside container. The inside would be the same as like how you pack a baby snake you're shipping overnight. Okay. Yeah, I never thought of that. We should look into that so you don't have to drive 21 hours straight. No, no. But no, I guess, but we don't have a out. way. We don't have someone already there. So like, it's also like a six-hour flight. However, well, for me, it's a six-hour flight for them to do that. So it's a lot quicker than driving them there. But then how would your car get there? Drive my car? No, she's saying she would put the animals on a six-hour flight. Oh, oh gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were saying you'd like fly with them. I mean, I could. I don't technically need a car to go with. I can get a new car and sell my old one. That's a big move. Cool. East Coast. That's so, like, you're... Yeah, that's intense. <laughs> but cool. I like it. Because we'll be on the East Coast-ish. Philadelphia is not from East Coast. Six hours. Wait, I'm sorry. It cut out. Philly is... You guys are moving to Philly, right? Mm-hmm. That's what... I think four hours from where I am right now. Oh, okay. So it's well, not what's, bad. what's cool about Berkshire. the East Coast is that, like, Philly, New York, D.C., it's all kind of, especially in the reptile community, they're all pretty close to each other as far as, like, the people from Maryland will go to Hamburg or right. people from Philly will go to White Plains. So it's all kind of within a nice little hot spot. Yeah, there's a lot of people in this area, too. Like, it's really weird how, like, everyone, it seems so, like, everyone's, like, so compact in this small area where there's just a bunch of people. Isn't the Godfather up there? No, no, the Godfather's in Washington. Oh, <laughs> People don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, she doesn't. But everyone else no. does. Sorry. Godfather is Nick Mutton. Because he, he breeds car, but but no one outside the carpet community. That's what like it's so sectionalized as far as like you know my world, but like even Megan's in a different world than I am. So it's like I'm in carpet world and corn snake world, and she's in anaconda world and retic world. So they don't know Nick Martin. Do you know Nick Martin? I don't know. I don't see, oh, and everyone is- blasphemy. <laughs> she doesn't know the Godfather. Everyone in the hobby, like I don't, I kind of just keep to myself. I don't like learn who everyone is 
in a way. So it's like if I see them on Facebook, I'll kind of remember the name, but it does I don't really remember who they are. Do you know who Port City Pythons is? <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Okay. I'm not. A, we're not a big deal, man. No, we're not. Sixty thousand followers on Instagram. That's for sure. We're not. I'm jealous. I'm super jealous. I'm not trying to hide my jealousy. I don't jealousy. give a shit. See, that's a weird thing. You give a shit. I don't. Yeah. I want my name in lights. Right. <laughs> but I do all the work. No, not on Instagram. You don't do all the Instagram the work. Get out of here. I keep these animals alive, son. Yeah, I'm just saying you don't do all the work on Instagram. You do all the work in real life. <laughs> Sorry. We shouldn't. Shouldn't put this on the air. <laughs> um, okay. Megan doesn't even try. She's better at you than Instagram. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for being on, Megan. <laughs> if anyone wants to reach you, where can they reach you? Um, in my Facebook page or email, which is also on my Facebook page or Instagram. She barely wants to talk to you. She doesn't care. <laughs> But she has snakes for sale, so hit her up. Yeah. When you have snakes for sale, where will you put them up? Um, I post them on all my social media, but I, I mainly just do Instagram and Facebook. No, so but do you do a lot of sales through Instagram? Yeah. Um, yeah. For the most part. Like, I have my emails on there, so a lot of people email me for it. I'm very bad at checking, like, my DMs. So <laughs> it's not always the best way to get in contact with me. Yeah, I understand that. I wouldn't try to buy a snake through Instagram. I don't know, it just doesn't seem the right Profe- avenue. No. Yeah. yeah, it's not very professional. Even though Facebook's not better, but in my head, Facebook seems more legit to buy a snake. I don't know why. <laughs> On Facebook, and they message the page, it's kind of more than... It's better than going like straight to someone's like personal profile, which I'm also very bad at checking. So, <laughs> I mainly just email and uh just the messages on facebook what's shitty is that now your business page if you don't answer it it tells everyone that you don't answer all your messages so like you have to answer them oh it says that now oh yeah if we don't answer within like two hours we get a message like port city pythons keep up your response rate by answering this within the next hour and then on your page it will say you respond to 90 percent of messages within a day like if you respond too oh, slow i remember yeah i don't care because <laughs> <laughs> a lot of what i get is also you know people like kind of just bullshit stuff but there's also been people who just get mad at me for no reason, so I won't answer them. I'll just get them. Or you'll get people who, you know, say fuck you because you won't sell them something, so you won't answer them. So it's, it's a big variety of why, there's reasons why you don't answer, and there's reasons like you just missed it or you saw it and forgot about it. Right, which is really annoying that it tracks it, though, because, like, people aren't always asking, like, pertinent questions. It's, like stupid shit people so, don't always deserve an answer right so we answer. shouldn't be like tracked for not answering dumb shit it is to answer every single thing yeah that, that's facebook for you oh, yeah thank okay. you so much for being on and taking your time to talk to us girl power no it was fun she, she really wanted like girls on here and then like we got two girls in a row so there you go i know and now we probably won't have a girl for like four months 
okay. It's a snake world, man. I can always come back. I have my boyfriend. But retakes too. We'll have to have your boyfriend on to talk a yeah. male perspective on retakes. No, both of them. Because males are more educated in the hobby <laughs> and they're better <laughs> than females, <laughs> and they just do snakes better. That's fact. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I don't know I, what Lily Pad's saying. Sorry, Lily Pad just saying our names. It's just getting weird. But oh, Port City she Python. said you need a certification to breed. We already talked about this, Lily Pad. It depends on the you state it, and man. where you are and where you live. We don't know about Florida. Port City Forty. Wait, you do need a permit in Florida to breed. You need a permit to own them and to breed. Ooh, I bet you Lily Pad doesn't have a permit. Oh, Lily Pad. It depends. Yep. Oh, like she's big... a ball python. Ball pythons, I don't think you do. Okay, so she's in the clear. Okay, for real ending this time, you already said where to check us out. Tomorrow, this will be on SoundCloud. But if you're listening to this, that doesn't really mean anything because you already listened to it, so... Oh. If you're listening to this, you already downloaded it on SoundCloud, which will be uploaded tomorrow when you downloaded it. So okay. now you're listening to us talk about you downloading it tomorrow. Right? Right. That's fucking Megan. Well, we're also telling Megan that it's going to be there. She may not know. Oh, Megan, just so you she... know. Do you want to re-listen to yourself talking? <laughs> no, she wants to like tell her boyfriend where it is or any of her 60... 60- Thousand <laughs> followers, <a> fucking slimy, <laughs> slimy slime ball. Thousand followers on Instagram. <laughs> no fucking. That is <laughs> I mean, you're slimy. Th- this Thank is you guys so much for listening. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. Bye. Okay, Megan. So we'll still, you're be... still here. We're all okay. here. We'll be. On air for a little bit. No, that's confusing. We're off air.